Welcome to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I'm your host, Florida native and real estate ninja, Donnie Hathaway. You know, I started this podcast because I'm extremely passionate about connecting you with the people and the local businesses that make Palm Harbor so special. Palm Harbor, Florida is a great place to live, work, and play. It has everything you could dream of, from the food, the outdoors, the lifestyle, to the people in the community. I wanted to create a podcast that connected the community and inspired everyone to live better. To join this community and stay up to date on all things Palm Harbor, visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com and sign up there to join the locals. And remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local. So on today's episode, we have Shane Moore with Gulf Coast Accounting and Tax. Now, you've been in business for 11 years now, and you've been full-time in the business for about six years, correct? Correct. So, um, one, just welcome to the show. Well, thanks for having me. Yep. And then um, let's start. I want to start off with just kind of talking about um, kind of like what you do at Gulf Coast Accounting and Tax and, and kind of just start there. So at Gulf Coast Accounting and Tax, we do tax work, accounting, um, bookkeeping, payroll. Um, it's a majority of the clients that we deal with are like individual people that have their tax and need their taxes done. Um, we get very, we have some very complex businesses that we do business work for. Um, we also like to give advice. That's kind of one thing that we like to do. So a lot of our clients end up using us because we're there all year round and they have that connection and relationship. Yeah. I think that's a big piece of it too. Like, you know, that's something that I've learned, like starting my business in real estate, is, you know, I mean, getting a real estate license, they don't teach you about, you right. know, tax planning or just managing your money or anything like that. Right. So that's like a whole new world. And just, there's so many questions and things you have to learn along the way. And there's so much structure that you can take and different ways to do things if yeah. you can. Yeah. Um, so you, some of the, t- some of the stuff we do is unwind stuff that we inherit from other people that, sure. um, there's a lot of videos and YouTube and TikTok out there that kind of give you the wrong advice. Yeah. You know, um, and so a lot of times we spend just explaining to clients why we do it, and that's why you have to be done this way. Yeah. You know, so part of our job is education too, not just besides doing the compliance work. Mm-hmm. It's actually teaching people. Yeah. Because and there's so many different ways to do it, right? Like, yeah. And businesses are all set up completely different. Yeah. Yeah. You know, it's fun to walk into a room and talk to a group of people, and then drop a piece of knowledge that people didn't know about. Yeah. Um, you know, I I have this conversation quite a bit. Um, especially with realtors, um, is that when you somebody puts a name on a deed, there could be a tax return associated with that because hmm. it's a gift tax because you just gave them half your property. Hmm. That's how the government looks at it. That's why you put your name on the deed. Yeah. So if you give more than $15,000 a year indexed to whatever year you're in, there could be a gift consequence, tax consequence. Oh, okay. Interesting. Not necessarily pay that you owe, but there's a requ- filing requirement. Yeah. So it, I always tell people, and then they start because you know, especially probably real estate, you do that with people put names on deeds and they try to take them off. And it's like, it's not a game. You just gave half, <laughs> half of it to them. Right. You know? Yeah. So what are, um, what are some, some like challenges that you have to, to, I guess, deal with in your business because things are always changing and, you know, rules and regulations are constantly changing. And then the way, like you, we just talked about, like the way a business is set up yeah. is, is, you know, always different. 
Well, being a CPA, one thing we have is we have to have a lot of education. Yeah. So we have to have 80 hours every two years. Okay. So we ended up forcing a lot of, wow, yeah. you learned a lot of compliance because you, I mean, if you're going to go in 80 hours, you're going to at least enjoy it and get, you know, be able to use the information. Yeah. Um, but the last few years and politics and stuff, like the tax code's never been as crazy as they ever going to be. Okay. Right. And, yeah. you know, when Trump came into office, those are checks, all changes. And I always tell my clients along the way is one of his changes, which is different than anything that's before it, it's all supposed to sunset in 2025, 2026, somewhere right around there. Yeah. It's all supposed to revert back. So everything we had to learn might just go away. Oh, wow. You know? Yeah. And then if you try to plan for that, that's kind of hairy, you know? Half of our profession thinks it's going to continue. The other half thinks it can't continue, but um, only time will kind of tell. Yeah. So sometimes what we do is like look into a crystal ball and try to figure out what the future is going to be. Yeah. You know, with tax with code. Tax, yeah. Right. Yeah. Interesting. You know, um, you know, 20 years ago, it wasn't like this. It was, I mean, talking to professionals that are in retiring, we have a high rate of people retiring um, mm-hmm. in our profession. Mm-hmm. Uh, when I was in school, the average age of CPA was 67. Oh, crazy. And that was the average age. The average age. Um, I'm sure that's a lot higher now. Yeah. There's actually a lot of people that are going into accounting typically go on the tech side of it, not into the compliance side, not into, yeah. I mean, not many people want to own a tax business anymore. It's, yeah. You know, it's not. So do you think, uh, so that's interesting to think about then, like in the, you know, 10, 15 years from now, like, are there going to be, there's going to be fewer CPAs? Yeah. And, and so is it like, so then there's more of the pie for you to take, take over? You know, or? there is. And, you know, it, I, I use the word CPA, but there's also enrolled agents. There's a whole bunch of people that do tax work, okay. but I, all of them are shrinking. It's just not a fun business to be in, I don't yeah. think. You know, um, why do you think that is? Is it like those rules that are constantly changing? Is that part of it? Or It's one of the things that it's not a, I always say fun job, but compliance right. work, doing somebody's tax return. It's not always fun. I like educating and we do a different mindset. And then actually the the personality behind accountants, normally they're normally like behind a desk. They don't like to work head down. Mm-hmm. I mean, some of the best accountants make the worst owners because- Mm-hmm. They just like doing their debits and credits and they just like head down and just do the work. Yeah. Um, I think the generation that's coming up now is not into that at all. Right. Right. You know, it's not going to be a, it's just something that I think it's changing. Yeah. So do you think business owners are going to be more responsible for, or do you think there's just going to be fewer CPAs that just manage more of the businesses? I, fewer CPAs using technology to manage more businesses. Right, yeah, yeah, yeah. I mean, there's as a small business, there's something out there. There's like called bot keeper that actually helps you do your bookkeeping by robot, uh, okay. autobot. Okay. Um, so there, there's going to be more of that. That's going to become standard probably next 10, 15 years, just because people, um, don't want to get in the business. Right. Yeah. You know, um, as, as, a, as an owner, it's hard to find people that work. Right. You know, um, well, and that's the other thing too, right? Like if you're trying, if there's more opportunity out there and you're trying right. to grow, but then there's fewer, but it's become a global world. So we actually have two people in the Philippines uh, that work for us. Okay. Oh yeah. yeah. Okay. Cause, um, they're really good at accounting, counting rules, the accounting side of it, the bookkeeping side is pretty much universal. Right. Okay. Debits and credits. The whole tax side of it and some of the other stuff, planning, they'll just never get to it. But to do the actual that stuff, they do really well with. Yeah, I had the feeling more and more firms that's what they're doing. Sure, I mean, the big four, the big four accounting firms have been doing that for decades now. Okay, but it's been now little firms like ours can actually utilize that same. Yeah, 
Yeah, platform. that makes sense. Um, so let's start. Let's go back to the beginning and, and like how you actually got into um, into this profession and and tell us a little bit about, about that. What's up, Palm Harbor? It's your host, Donnie Hathaway. If you were looking to stay up to date with all things Palm Harbor, then visit my website. It's palmharborlocal.com. Super simple. You can sign up there, join the locals, where I'll be sharing more information on local events, local history, and what's happening in Palm Harbor. You know, I really want to create and add more value to you as a listener for spending your valuable time tuning into my podcast. So join me there, keep listening, and remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor local. So how I got into accounting was I was actually sitting in a class at St. Pete College. It was my um, accounting class and was getting pretty good grades. And the teacher asked how long, how much work I'm putting in, how much time am I spending? And I kind of told her, honestly, I'm not much. And mm-hmm. she's like, you need to do this. This mm-hmm. is, if you get this, this is kind of what you need to do. Cause there's a lot of people over here struggling and trying to do this. Yeah. And if you can do it, <laughs> it's natural. And then you should do right. it. Yeah. You know, and, and that kind of gone through the whole education experience. Like when I got my CPA license, I passed all four exams the first time. Okay. Is that common or? No, that's yeah. not common. I think it's like 25%. Oh, wow. That pass all four? At all four like the, one first time, time. the first time. The first time. Yeah. You know, because normally one of the subjects throw throw up a hiccup. Mm-hmm. Um, mm-hmm. But like, again, I, like I told you earlier, I went back a little bit later in life. Yeah. So I was a little more motivated to make it the first time. Yeah. Yeah, yeah. Right? Um, because, you know, I'm not in my early 20s anymore that yeah. I have a few more years till I really need this. It was kind of like, I got to get this done. Right. The time is now. Yeah. Um, yeah. I think in real estate, like the real estate license exam, I think it's like 50, just over 50% pass it the first time. Yeah. Right. But it's just one exam, right? It's just, you know, it's a little bit easier, I think, than the probably what you had to go through. Um, so what, what's been like, yeah, what's been like a biggest, the biggest challenge for you and, and, you know, man, running your own business. So now six years full time into the business, yeah. you started, um, so you started part time. Yes. So I started part time. Um, I worked in an industry that was not actually public accounting. It was more private accounting, meaning I worked for the time I got my CPA license, I worked for a university. So our busy cycle didn't follow their busy cycle. So I was able to take time uh, off okay. during tax season to really kind of grow the tax side of the business and then kind of grow the bookkeeping along the side of that. Mm-hmm. Um, and then um, I worked at actually St. Leo university up in, out in uh, San Antonio, Florida. Yeah. 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 Uh, so I got tired of the drive and basically we had a conversation with the wife, like, you know, I applied a few different places and nothing really was doing it. And I'm like, the business is doing well. Let's just make it work. Yeah. You know? So, um, do you think I was talking to somebody about this yesterday, you know, and they kind of went, had a similar path where they were working for a, a, a business, they had a, a job there in a similar field and they started their own business on the side and were able to kind of grow that until it got to the point where they mm-hmm. could step away from the job. Do you think that that um like having that job, that that security there allowed you to kind of grow the business to what it was and when you're about to step away? Well, if I I went back and looked at numbers, I'm a number guy. Okay. Um, I probably could have made it work from day one. Oh yeah. I mean, because you put, put the put time the, into it. The first year, I mean, because it, it was growing slowly. So it was growing slowly. You know, I didn't need to. It was like we go just on cruises. Like, okay. It was extra money, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. who knows where this is going to go? Yeah. And then the, the year that we decided, like, this is going to be the year, you know, head down. I mean, it, it worked, right? Yeah. So I, th- I, I think it really depends on what it is. Sure. You know, sure. and it depends on if you can do it, right? Like, 
I don't know if like ethically, I, if I was working for another accounting firm, would I have done the same way? I don't think so. Mm-hmm. Because I feel like I'd be robbing the company I'm working for. But since I was working for something totally different that doesn't do that. I got you. Yep. You know, um, but I, you know, it's hard to give up a cushion job. I always tell people like people are talking about starting a business. Yeah. I'm like, as a business owner, the one day that I, the thing that I miss the most is the day I don't feel like working and I still get paid. Yeah. Right. The day yeah. that when you crawled into the back office, nobody's watching you, you're staring at a wall <laughs> for eight hours and you just made yeah. money. Yeah. You know, that doesn't happen when you're a business owner. Right. Yeah. That's that, that's the hard part, right? It's like, you're not, um, you know, you get out what you put into it. Yeah. Yep. Um, so, so let's talk about like someone who's starting a business and, and like, what are, I feel like a lot of businesses, a lot of business owners, right? Like we were talking about before you start a business and, you know, tax planning or accounting, like that's not your expertise. That's kind of like, you know, the last thing you're thinking yeah. about, right? Like you're either good at a service or, or whatever it is. Um, so what are some good tips for them to like set up structure wise to make sure they're set up for success? I always tell people when you start to think that's when you start talking to an accountant, and you talk to a lawyer, right? Lawyers should be giving you the overall business structure. I can help guide. Mm-hmm. Um, cause like if certain things you can do as a CPA, certain things you can't, um, we end up setting up a lot of LLCs for our clients, yeah. but we're not actually supposed to kind of more advise them what, how to do that, okay. but we'll follow paperwork. Um, that said, I think having a lawyer and accountant when you first started so that you can under the expectations, right? Um, you find that we live in a do it yourself kind of world. Yeah. Um, and it's really interesting is I'll take a business owner that's been doing this for a year or two and is just really struggling, keeping the QuickBooks clean and doing, and you have a conversation with them. I was like, how much money do you make in an hour? Okay. It would take, you know, if we did this. That's how you'd have to work two hours to pay us to do this. Mm-hmm. Is that worth your time? Or mm-hmm. are you spending four or five hours trying to figure this out? Mm-hmm. You know, and it's that, it's that finding that mixture of what you need to do as a business owner, what you need to pay somebody else to do. Right. Cause I mean, we're all like, Oh, I don't have money, but the theory is if you can sell more widgets or sell more houses, mm-hmm. then you need to focus on doing that. And you could pay the people to do what they need to do right. behind the book. Right. Back and then at the end of the day, like you're and making more money. Right. Yeah. Then it's done. Then I don't have to, like clean up when people think they go, oh, you just clean up and they get a cleanup bill and you're like, wow, that's just as more than you would have done it. I'm like, yeah. <laughs> yeah. Cause I have to go back and we have to look at everything. Yeah. You know? Um, so as, as a business owner, it's really kind of start out like, you know, it's like any kind of relationship. You want to start out healthy. So you got to get your things in a row. Um, realtors are some of mine when they call me some of the times I'm really run my head in the wall because like, <laughs> You start having conversations like yeah. self-employment tax. Most people don't want self-employment taxes. Yeah. What do you, what do you mean? I only put 20,000 or 20% away. Well, as a realtor, you have no business structure. You know, you're really going to be, be paying 36. Mm-hmm. What do you mean? You have 16% self-employment tax. Yeah. So it's like understanding all those things yeah. up front. Yeah. And like the same thing when somebody tells me they want to be a 1099 employee, I'm like, well, you need to pay 30% more than you could in the market. Right. Why to pay your taxes and your compliance? Yeah, and they just look at you like you're crazy. I'm like, well, that's the reason why the guy is willing to pay you more as a 1099 because he knows he's making better off. Right, he's not paying. He's saving that money. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> so it's like he's, you know, it's, but it's having those conversations and sitting down with somebody is important. Um, you know, most accounts, we end up, you know, we'll give you a 30 minute consultation to kind of get you on the right page, to, even just to find out how we can help you. Mm-hmm. 
um, I kind of recommend talking to people, um, especially people that do this for a living, not other business owners. Cause like, right, right, right. um, they're going to have their own way and they might have an outdated way. Yeah. Like I have a friend, I mean, she was great. Um, she, she was an accountant. Um, and my first job out of college in accounting, um, she used to tell me, oh yeah, we used to hire a CPA every three or four years. Cause that's how they'll learn the new changes. Well, what if something changed in between that? They would be they would be caught off. Yeah, yeah. You know that's that's what our job is to stay up to date and you know and ideally um, help you grow the business, help you make it profitable. Mm-hmm. You know, ready to sell it. It's at top dollar. Yeah. You know that's what you should be looking for an accountant. And honestly, if you decide I need to look for an accountant because I'm selling my business, it's probably too late. Too late. Yeah. Right, right. You know, you've missed out on some opportunities yeah. there for sure. Um, so what about then? Like, so someone has a business and maybe they don't have a CPA, they've been doing it themselves or whatever. Um, what are some tips for like tax planning as we're coming up into, you know, the tax season? It's, it's, it's a great question to ask, but normally tax planning is too late right now. Yeah. So when I have clients that come in and they expect that to happen, a lot of the stuff, the maneuvers you could have made would have happened before you're in. So maybe then they're like, let's look into 2024, yes. right? Like, so this is what we need to do next year. year. Yeah. So you don't have the same issue. Yeah. Right. Um, <laughs> you know, you have the retirement plans that sometimes you can fund late, sure. which will help offset the cost. But then again, you got to have the money to pay for the retirement funds. Yeah. And people don't understand when you do the retirement funds, it's not dollar for dollar. So I have conversations multiple times. If I put $7,000 in an IRA, it's going to take $7,000 off my taxes. No. It's only going to take the basically your tax percent off. Mm-hmm. So it's not as big a savings as you think it could be, you know. Sure. Um, you know, so we have some clients that make good money. So we end up normally doing most of our tax planning in November. Okay. So that we can make adjustments, okay. right? Um, like we had one company that just put, pretty much took the whole month of December off because they really couldn't make any more money. Oh, wow. Because they didn't want to pay the tax bill if they did. So, yeah, it would have changed so much. So, they basically shut up shop and Crazy. took a month of December off. Yeah. You know, I'm sure we're going to have a problem next year, but they know that. But yeah. Because not only. But then they'll be like well beyond that that bracket anyway, yeah. right? Yeah. So, it's going to be like, you know, that's but that's choices you can make if you have the information beforehand. Yeah. Yeah. You know, because their choice was, well, we can just let, we'll pay everybody for the month. We will um, not work. We won't make a dollar and we'll get to where we want to pay taxes. Yeah. You know, and I guess it's a good feeling to be and they have the money to cash flow to do it. Sure. That's the other thing too, is cash flow is a problem for a lot of business owners. Yeah. Especially if they have employees. Um, cause they can get really bad habits with that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So really just, just starting early, starting early. That's, that's the biggest thing. Starting early, you know, um, you know, um, Structure is a very important part of a business, um, especially because there's different tax structures. You could be an S-Corp. But to be an S-Corp, you either have to be an Inc. or an LLC already. You can't just be a sole proprietor. Mm-hmm. So those conversations you have at the very beginning so that you know if you're going to be there, yeah. if you can convert. Because my worst thing I have to tell somebody is that you can't convert an S-Corp because you'll have all these capital gains associated with it because the way your business is currently set up. Mm-hmm. Okay. You know. Are so. there are there different... Um, like between the S corp and LLC, are there different like tax savings? Like to- no, they're all the same. Okay. So like, let me rephrase that. There are there there are differences, but they're minute. So a sole proprietor is probably one of the easier ways to get stuff through. 
Um, when you set up corporate structure, realtor, use an example, if you have a car and you want to write it off to a business, it has to be yeah. licensed in this LLC. Well, if you finance a car with a business, it's typically higher interest rate, mm-hmm. typically higher insurance. Yeah. You know, so having structure kind of changes a little bit, um, but it's knowing what those changes are, right? And whether or not you're okay with that. Yeah. You know, um, but for the most part, a sole proprietor can write off the same thing as an escort. Okay. For the most part. Yeah. Um, business expense is business expense. The internal revenue service looks at it as anything that's necessary and ordinary for your business. Okay. Well, that's a very broad, right, right. you know, brush stroke. But, you know, I always tell people, if you can make a straight face when you told the agent why you had to do that, I think you're pretty good. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. There's, um, I feel like that's always a big thing, right? Like, you know, what do we write off? What do we not write off? Yeah. And that sort of stuff. Um, what about, uh, like the, the investors that are looking to purchase like investment properties and stuff. So like my, my wife and I, we own, um, an Airbnb, mm-hmm. you know, we started an LLC for that Airbnb. Do you recommend, um, and I don't know if you can give the advice or, or just kind of depends, but generically talk about it, but the, you know, starting an LLC for each investment property so or in having an umbrella one or my, my approach to that is let's talk about insurance first. Let's yeah. go talk to your insurance broker for an umbrella insurance that covers it. Because that's what the LLC is really designed for. It's designed to limit the liability of the company. Yeah. That's what a li- limited liability company means. Yeah. So you're only liable to the investment of the company. So a lot of times what I see out of my clients is they might have an LLC for a few properties and another LLC for a few properties. Um, just to kind of hedge their bet of, of somebody getting hurt on the property. Sure. But most... Insurance now with umbrella and stuff can cover some of that too. Mm-hmm. So that's kind of when we bring an insurance agent in and we talk through that mm-hmm. um, just to, just to protect, right? You do want to protect your assets, but I mean, this is America. They'll still see you. Yeah. So, right. I mean, you know, for an LLC, for, for real estate, I use the word depends. I mean, you know, it, yeah, if you're going in with a partner, Yeah. Yeah, LLC, right? Yeah, because yeah. you might as well do a partnership. Might as well have an LLC, right? Yeah. That's, that's, you know, because we have a lot of the, the, the VRBOs now that um, mm-hmm. have um, partnerships. So we definitely highly recommend that. And that's typically broken by a, part, uh, a property because it might not be the same ownership in each property. Right, right. It's changes, yeah. You know? Yeah. Um, but like for, say, a husband and wife team, it, it's really depending on where you want to go and how you want to do it. Um and then also remember um, how you're going to get rid of it, right? You like know how you going to get rid of property? properties, and yeah. how what what's the plan? What's the overall? You know, I am a big firm believer in real estate being a long game. Yeah, yeah. you know, um, you know, we have this great thing called step up a basis at the date of death. So if you had a million dollar home that you paid a hundred thousand dollars for, your parents paid a hundred thousand dollars for it, they passed away. You get a you get a step up a million bucks, mm-hmm. and then you pay no taxes on it if you immediately liquidate. Mm-hmm. That's how I think the rich people get really rich is because they don't pay taxes on property they inherit and yeah. sell it. Yeah, it's yeah. like long term, like generational yeah. wealth. Yeah, yeah, and that's that's how you get it is is holding on to it. Yeah, um, I I'm more scared about guys that can't afford to keep it for long. Right, right. right. They think they're going to get into it, you know, and. Um, Cause what happens is like one of my worst 
days is when I sit across from somebody that had a rental property that sold the rental property that the rental property was heavily leveraged. So they say, Hey, I got like 10, I got $10,000 out of this while you owe a hundred thousand dollars. Why? Because what you bought it for, what you sold it for, doesn't take into account what the mortgage was. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Right. And then internal revenue service doesn't care what the mortgage was. Right. You know, and obviously if you took more money out than what you had, that means it went to your pocket. Yeah. And then, it's the realization that, hey, you have a huge tax bill right. and no cash to pay it. Right. Yeah. You know? Yeah. I think, I think, yeah, it's, it's, a, you just got to do your homework in, yeah. in the up, you know, up front. Right. That's, um, that was one thing that we were, you know, uh, very cautious of, like when we were buying mm-hmm. our property. But same thing I advise everyone to do. It's like you just, you really have to understand the numbers and make sure that it's going to work and, yeah. and think about like the worst case scenario. Right. If you can't, if you can't get a tenant in there, like plan for some of that, right? Yeah. Because that's that's part of it. Like that happens. Like yeah. Um, but but yeah, long term, like if you can hold on to the properties, the, the real that's, estate. I mean, that's. I think that's. If I had to guess, that's how Trump made his money. You know, his dad had the properties. Yeah. And then when he was gone, they inherited the properties. Well, yeah. the properties now, and you get to liquidate it all and not pay taxes on it. Yeah. You still have estate tax as a whole other subject, but you know, in general. Most Americans, that's not going to be a problem for Yeah, them. yeah, saving lots of money. Yeah. Um, so one thing I'd like to ask everyone before we kind of wrap up um, is what is one of your favorite local spots here in, in Palm Harbor or, or kind of Palm Harbor area? So I'm really partial to the pig. Oh, I yeah. own a pig. Yeah. Um, since it's like actually like walking distance from my I'll office. I'll say you're close to that, right? So yeah. like <laughs> that's, that's, that's my favorite place. And when I take somebody they want – Palm Harbor, that's kind of where I take them to is those yeah. the pig. Yeah. Um, my other favorite restaurant's not there anymore. So it's kind of sad. In Ozona? Well, no, in downtown Palm Harbor. Oh, okay. Okay. You know, they they sold out, but it's it it's one of those things that the pig, and I think the pig's always gonna be there. I mean, it's been there for yeah, now. You yeah. know, and you know, I've never had a bad meal there. Yeah. So it's um and it's just a cool like that that whole area of Ozona and yeah. stuff is just super unique and just sitting out like on the patio on the picnic tables or whatever at Ozona yeah. Pig is, is pretty cool. It's really great to be able to sit on my back. Sometimes I go when it's cooler, I go sit behind the office. I have a table out there and I'll yeah. go out and work. Yeah. And I can smell that. Oh yeah. So it's a smell really the good. barbecue. Yeah. Yeah. I like that. Um well, how can people get a hold of you, find uh, get more info from you? I mean, the best way is really kind of check us out at uh, gca taxcom Um okay. kind of check us out you can always shoot me an email my email is on the website and okay. just kind of reach out you know i we always say I, I meet with all my clients beforehand to get to know you there's normally not a charge for that yeah if you want to give you advice that's a whole other story sure um but you know yeah. website's probably the best starting tool okay and we'll link all that in the description right. and everything below but i uh, appreciate it Shane. thanks right, for no being problems. here thanks for having me Thank you again for listening to another episode of Palm Harbor Local. I really hope you got a ton of value out of, of today's episode. Now, if you're looking to connect with the guest or just get more information on the episode, then you can check the description below. I'll have all the links in the episode as well as a link back to my website. It's palmharborlocal.com where you can stay up to date on what's going on with the podcast and sign up there to join the locals. Let's get after it this week. And remember, together, we keep Palm Harbor Local. Local.